Hello and welcome to Moonwise, a monthly podcast featuring conversations with women of power. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and in this episode, we bring you my conversation with entrepreneur Eileen Rossetti about running a sacred feminine business. We talk about her path from working with trauma survivors to following a spark of inspiration to create a lifestyle brand that has become a movement. We discuss divine timing, motherhood, and how we can all work to write the feminine back into our collective story. Before we begin, I want to send a huge thank you to our newest Patreon subscribers, Petra Winslow, Chantelle Taylor, and Marshawn Dam. If you've enjoyed our shows and find value in this community, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash moonwise. Thank you so much. Okay, on with our show. Eileen Rossetti founded Our Sacred Women in 2016 after working with female trauma survivors for many years, first as a volunteer at Sarah's Inn, a domestic violence shelter, and Rape Victim Advocates, the largest rape crisis center in Chicago. She then served as a trauma-sensitive certified yoga instructor at a residential treatment center, and finally as a marriage and family therapist with a private practice in Chicago. Experiencing compassion fatigue, she wanted to help women, but in a way that had the potential to create larger cultural change. Our Sacred Women has become more than a lifestyle brand. It's evolved into a movement to restore women to a place of reverence through specialty gifts that help women feel seen, valued, and honored. Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, it's my honor and pleasure. Thank you. You are the founder of Our Sacred Women, a movement to restore women to a place of reverence through specialty gifts that help women feel seen, valued, and honored. And your most well-known product that I've seen is the Women Are Sacred t-shirt, which can be seen all over Instagram on both men and women. And the t-shirt sells out very quickly. And I know this because I every time it comes out, I'm like, oh, I need one of those. And then <laughs> it sells out. And I'm like, okay, next time I'm going to get on it. So first of all, congratulations on making such an iconic and powerful statement that spread across gender and cultural lines. Thank you. Hearing you say that, I feel impressed by myself. <laughs> I guess, you know, you you dive into something you're passionate about. And I, one thing I know I could do better at is coming up for air and really taking it in. So thank you for helping affirm something I, I need to affirm more for myself. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to dive into, you know, the origin of why you created this particular Women Are Sacred shirt and why did you feel the need to create this particular message and and share it in t-shirt form yeah so i was living in chicago um for 8 years after college and was driving home i was in grad school at the time was driving home down lakeshore drive and it was the spring and people were coming out of hibernation. People were exercising. You know how it is in mm-hmm. Chicago. And it kind of slowed down, you know, where it turns and you see the Drake Hotel. And yeah, so I was kind of in that spot. And I just happened to look over to the lakefront path. It's 
saw a bunch of people exercising and I had this Elizabeth Gilbert moment. She talks about this in Big Magic where this vision came to me. It felt very much outside of myself and yet it makes sense too. It fits with me and who I am. Um, But this vision of very vivid, clear image of a guy jogging down the lake front path with a white shirt and bold black letters, it said, women are sacred. And in this vision, I saw people looking at him curiously. And this was in 2014. So a much different landscape than we are in now, socially and politically. Um, But this image just struck me. And then immediately after, I actually had a a vision of my brother. He's this big buff guy (laughs) um, wearing the shirt with his arm around our mom. And it was a photo. And then I knew like it was being shared on social media. So yeah, interestingly, this company that I've built that focuses on women and helping us to remember our sacred essence started with a vision of a man or two men rather. Um, And like Elizabeth describes in Big Magic, she describes ideas coming to us and we can say yes or no. And and maybe we kind of say yes or a maybe. And if we don't act on it in time, it'll go find someone else to manifest it. Um, I really resonated with that. And I started, I said yes. So I immediately <laughs> said yes to this idea, this vision. But I had no background in apparel, in manufacturing. I was in grad school for marriage and family therapy. <laughs> it was like completely different. And yet, and yet it was fitting because that part of myself as a therapist is all about offering tools for clients to use to, to make their lives more fulfilling and to heal. And so this idea of creating a shirt it drew very much from that, this idea of creating a tool that people can use to honor the women in their lives or to honor themselves. And so I spent a number of months figuring out how to make this shirt. I mean, when you see it now, it's really straightforward. It's really simple. But um, I had been sharing the idea with a few friends. and I got some feedback that maybe I should add color or do some kind of custom art, like a calligraphy element to it so that it's not easily replicable that I could protect it more easily from, say, like big companies that would want to appropriate it. Um, So I went down that route and it didn't, I got one, a few actually, I got a few samples printed uh, and it just didn't feel right. I was a little, I was really disappointed actually. And then I found I was pregnant. So I felt energetically just everything falling away and this huge internal shift to focus on growing my child. And then it, it wasn't until Celine was a few months old. So this was a, well over a year after that vision came to me initially that we were, Celine must have been just a two or three months old. We were shopping in Long Beach, walked into this really cute children's store called Sweet Threads. And the owner and I, we started chatting and she asked me at one point, do you own a business? And I felt like the world stopped and I should have been able to say yes, but I couldn't. I And then I thought back to the shirt idea and uh, the owner, Sheila, we're good friends now, but she offered to have coffee with me and let me share 
this idea that I have for a shirt, a statement tee, and where I was at. We did that like a week or two later. And she gave me really pragmatic advice that helped me get the ball rolling. She's like, Eileen, just go to Michael's, buy some of those iron-ons, like, you know, write out the phrase on Word <laughs> and do a font exploration, like Google um, Google or go on Pinterest and look at shirts that you like and fonts you like. And you could just DIY it at home, iron it on the shirt, see how the placement is, and then... And, and yeah, I did that. I followed that advice and I guess kind of the rest is history. It took me a while actually to find the right vendors, the right shirts that felt right, that were made right. Because I, I came to know, which I didn't know when I did the sample tees early on, I didn't know that I needed to make the production process reflect the message. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's obvious but I mean, you still have statement shirts out that are feminist in essence, and yet they're conventional shirts. So they're made in ways that you may not be able to trace how they're made, if they're made ethically. And then, you know, they use pesticides if it's not GOTS certified organic. Um, so, I mean, to each her own, but for my brand, um, I knew it was vital that the way I make the brand and then make the products reflects the message. So talking about like right timing, divine timing, I think I needed, I couldn't have launched the shirt in 2014 as much as I was eager to, because I needed to go through life experiences that would strengthen my resolve around the mission to honor women. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after giving birth to Celine and experiencing how mothers are ignored like quite literally after the baby, like seconds after the baby's out of your body, that strengthened my resolve for that that phrase, women are sacred. And um, and then awakening to my more environmentally conscious self in, in that period between the vision and the launch. Um, yeah, so that, that's how it came to be. And I launched in August of 2000. 16, so right before the elections. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting, challenging, exhausting, what, couple of years now since then. But I have to say, Dorte, that again, going back to right timing, I wore my shirt when I launched. Um, so before the elections uh, happened, I wore the shirt around and I got a number of compliments, mainly from women, but I got more curious looks like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, or what could I mean by this? And I have to say, as challenging as it's been with the current administration, people understand now when they see that shirt. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I, men and women, um, people across gender identities, I complete strangers, they'll see that shirt on me. I, I had... For example, um, was it two days ago, I was picking up my daughter from preschool, and one of the neighbors, na- because it's a it's at a home, and one of the neighbors, he was out on the lawn and he saw the shirt, and I'm very pregnant, so I'm waddling up to the school, mm-hmm. and I'm wearing my women are sacred tea. Oh, it was on Tuesday for the election, and and he shouts out at me. He's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I was so confused. 
<laughs> I was like, what am I? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my shirt, because <laughs> he started pointing at the shirt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like people get it now or more than they did in 2016 pre-election because you have, the, you know, we had the Women's March and Me Too and all these things coming to the forefront that, um, yeah, that makes that phrase even more relevant across gender, across, you know, different social markers. and Exactly. It's almost as if you got that vision early so that it could be ready for these times that we're coming into, right? I mean, synchronicity, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious about the word sacred. And it sounds like it was something that was downloaded. So it may just be that, you know, it came to you and that was what it was. But I'm curious for you, what does sacred mean? And, and yeah, what, what does that statement mean? Because, you know, there are, of course, a number of feminist messages and words, and we could say powerful, or we could say smart, or, you know, all those things. But the, the sacred part, it, it feels so special to me and also so counter to what our dominant sort of cultural story and paradigm is that it, it feels really like, um, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it, but just like a really special statement that kind of flies in the face of a lot of things and also in a way serves as an opening. Oh. Honestly, Darcy, I'm sitting here cheering up. <laughs> I'm just Aww. filled with, yeah, so much, oh, so much emotion going through me. Uh, yeah, that word, it was like you said, kind of downloaded initially, but it stuck because I think of who I am and the experiences I've gone through. I was raised Catholic, and I identify more spiritual. Um, now, but there are things about that religious upbringing that resonated with me. There's a lot that I'm very conflicted about, hence me identifying as I do now. But I know that that word has been predominantly used in a religious context, and I feel that there's just been so much. And interestingly enough, I don't think I've talked about this openly, but there's just been so much pain rooted in that intersection of religion and femininity and femu- fem- female sexuality. Um, and to use that word that's been so associated in those contexts in a way that to me is a fresh start. Um, and it's a word that I don't think should be relegated just to religious, you know, writings and, and language that it's a word that belongs to all of us. It's a word that means respect, reverence, and there's a depth to it that feels so compassionate and whole and and spiritual, really. Like, spiritual and, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still working through how much to bring into the branding about the spiritual aspect of the brand, you know, because I want to, uh, I want to be at that kind of that line where between spiritual and between mainstream Mm -hmm. so that it can cross, but you know, it can cross that line and it can appeal to a wider audience because we are all sacred. We all are born with this essence that's, that's divine really. And, 
um, my mission is to remind people of that, and especially women, for all you know these myriad issues that we've walk, you know, we constantly are dealing with that that chips away at our self worth. Um, yeah, so wanting to use that word to bring us back to our essence that is sacred, that's innate, that it doesn't change. And that's the message that I'm realizing I want to express more is like, because <laughs> as I'm writing messages, I handwrite letters to all the customers. Mm-hmm. And my message is, it's pretty consistent, really. I say, thank you so much for your support. I hope that, say they bought a tea. I, I hope that this t-shirt, this special t-shirt, helps you to remember your own sacred essence and reminds you that you are deserving of all the things that your heart is calling for. Mm-hmm. So to me, that the word sacred, it, that's, I don't know, that's, that's the, I feel like a bearer for that word, like that it's something I need to, I need to just bring forth into the mainstream more in a way that feels more loving, you know, and it's not specific to to, uh, to certain things. I don't know, does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I'm so moved to hear the way you talk about it because it seems that in a world in which um, the masculine is also often uplifted as the gods and the gurus, the authorities, um, the celebrated ones, to to make a statement that's so inviting to everyone, so universal to say women are sacred. Remember, remember, women are sacred. Um, it 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 almost feels like it's writing the feminine back into our story collectively as humanity, and it's really powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Doris. I think you need a you need to write the copy for my website. <laughs> Um, yeah and you know I have received queries like why how about men are sacred and I feel very called to start with women you know to start with us for just there's so many reasons the brand started with the vision of these two men and I am so honored and excited and proud to say that a number of our customers are men um one customer comes to mind. He's actually a good friend from high school. Um, his name's Jonathan. He lives in New York. Um, he's this tall white guy. He's um, he's gay, and he said he was wearing the shirt at a outdoor festival in Brooklyn. Uh, I think this was last year. And he was walking. He was walking through the festival, and then he overheard a group of people, a woman in the group, say, "Oh, some, like something along the lines. Oh, that's a great shirt." And then a guy in the group had said, oh, I bet he just wears it to get laid. Um, so I don't know if Jonathan told him flat out, well, one, I'm gay. I think he did. <laughs> but two, um, he took the time and used that as an opening. Like you, you've been using the, the words like invitation and opening. Yeah, Jonathan took the time to approach them and share like, you know, this is why I'm wearing this shirt. This is why it me- what it means to me. Mm. And and that, yeah, that story has stayed with me that, that, yes, I want it to be inviting. I want it to be compassionate because when it comes to like, these, oh, such heated debates about women, 
women's rights, women's reproductive rights, feminism, that it can get so heated and and there's not a lot of space in between the parties who, you know, are in conflict. And so if we can use this shirt as a way to open up, right, conversation in, in a compassionate, curious way, that makes me feel so fulfilled. That makes so much sense. It didn't even occur to me that when it comes down to it, people on you know, both sides of the political spectrum or even different religious backgrounds, when it comes down to it and they really examine, you know, what are women? Um, I think most everyone would agree <laughs> on this statement, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah, I, my hope is that it, it crosses into different like political, um, politically minded communities. Um, so I think that's actually a challenge of mine is as a brand, how much do I put forth certain ideals that I do hold personally that I think are reflected in my brand, like how overt to be about certain things and maybe when to not be so overt so that it can be appealing across ideology. Because for example, to be more concrete, I had a woman DM me asking me, she's saying that she saw the shirt she loves it, and am I pro-life? And then I, the way I responded was to explain to her that we support women, and hence we support women's, you know, autonomy and their right to choose what's right for them. So, I mean, it was very counter to what she was expressing to me, she believes. And we had a short exchange through DM. Um, and I think my last response was, you know, I, I completely hear you. I hear you and I respect your stance. And it, it's such a, it's such a difficult topic to not apologize for how I feel and yet to also affirm how she feels. Um, so needless to say, I don't think she, she bought anything, but yeah, that's been one of the interesting aspects of owning and growing our sacred women is what is is understanding more and more that that phrase means different things to different people yeah and and it occurs to me that you know for anyone who might be like oh you know men are secret everyone is sacred it it reminds me a little bit of like the black lives matter all lives matter debate and where where i think it's really um potent is that you come from an experience and background of working with female trauma survivors for many years for, you know, being a trauma sensitive yoga instructor, um, working at treatment centers and also as a marriage and family therapist. So it seems to me that, you know, having seen what women go through and how women see themselves and, you know, the areas in which things are really tough for them, that you're coming from a place of understanding, you know, this is, this is something that we do need to emphasize and remind people about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. It, it's very much rooted in, in those things as well as my own experiences. I feel like I'm unlearning so much that has been detrimental or has stunted my growth. Uh, I posted a few days ago on election day for, midterms, a photo of my daughter, Celine, holding a sign that says, I am sacred. It was part of this campaign here in LA called Vote Your Change. 
And I wrote in the comment that I, yeah, I learned in my lifetime to measure my self-worth based on so many external factors. And my hope, and I teared up as I was looking at this image of my daughter and writing this post, I hope that I've done, I've done enough so that she knows that phrase in her bones, you know, that that's internalized for her. And she doesn't have to go through this process I'm going through of, of questioning and unlearning and, you know, letting go of things that don't serve me. Mm-hmm. But that's the energy I know I bring to fulfilling each order because it's a one-woman shop for the most part. I do have an intern um, every now and then. Uh, she comes in every now and then to help me. But it's most mainly me. And so every time I fulfill an order, that's the energy I try to bring to just the packaging. Cause I, I feel like the energy is so key. Mm-hmm. Like how, right. Like how you're making something, um, how you're packaging it even. So when I write that letter, thanking them and I, I mean, I shared the letter earlier, but yeah, I hope it, the message I want for my daughter, I hope that comes through in, in everything I'm doing with, with the brand. I love that because to me, that's a very, um, in a way, sacred feminine gift or way of doing things is that the process and the way that we do things matters, just not just the goal. So it's not just, oh, we're getting these t-shirts out, but how are we making them? How are we packaging them and sending them off? All of those things matters because if they don't, then the goal is not the goal we were really reaching for. Yeah. And I, yeah, I struggle with respecting that other brands are going to make different choices. And there's so many ways you can be sustainable and ethical um, and, and also wanting to encourage them that you can do it too. Like you can find mailers that are 100% recycled. You know, you can find locally local vendors who can do this to cut down your carbon footprint. But I know, like it took me years to figure all that out. And so... Yeah, but yeah, that's important to me to know that because the shirts, like I go to my vendor, the shirts are made here in LA. They're screen printed like a 10 minute drive down the street. And I see the people making the shirts. I see, I'm acquainted with the people who screen print it. Um, I'm good friends with the, the owners of the screen printing shop I use. And it passes through so many people. So many people touch it literally. And I want them to be paid fairly, you know, I want that energy, all the energy that's poured into the shirt to be, you know, that right vibration for it. And I think that's what's added to its power. Yeah. Have you, and just to talk a little bit about the response, not only from men, but um, it sounds like you sell out every print run as far as I can tell. Yeah. And I, I do small batches. I think that's part of the reason why, um, because I, you know, thinking of my daughter again, and now this, this next one growing in me, I don't want them to have to grow up in a world where their resource, I mean, they are already, Celine is, all the resources that we, the natural resources are, are being threatened. And I don't want to add to that, Dorte, you know, I want to create something good in a way that doesn't harm as much as I can. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about the Breathe Network, which 
your company has partnered with. And I was wondering, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about their work and why you wanted to align with them in particular. So the founder, Molly, and I, we met in Chicago when I was living there. We were both volunteering for, uh, it was called Rape Victim Advocates at the time. I know they've changed their name since then, but it's the largest rape crisis center in Chicago. We were both volunteers, and Molly was organizing a yogathon. So basically getting yoga studios across Chicago and the suburbs to donate proceeds from a class or more than one class to RVA, Rape Victim Advocates, to support you know, the work they do. And so I was part of that first year where uh, we were doing this this fundraiser. And, and that's how we met. And then Molly moved to Oregon and she started the Breathe Network. So the Breathe Network is an amazing resource. It is a website you can go to if you are a survivor of sexual violence or you know someone who is, you can go to this website and see a directory of trauma-trained health practitioners. And um, it's not just talk therapists, it's also acupuncturists, uh, yoga teachers, massage therapists, I believe. Um, And you can search by modality or you can search by geography. And so it's a way to fill this gap that's really not talked about in, in the therapeutic circles and um, yeah, is so important, which is you need healing practitioners who are trained to work specifically with trauma. Because someone, and this happened to a friend of mine, she was in a relationship with a domestic, uh, where there was domestic violence involved. And she went to a healing practitioner who was a social worker. And unfortunately, that social worker wasn't equipped to really, yeah, hold space for the trauma aspect of it and ended up basically re-traumatizing or really not affirming her in the way she needed as a survivor. Um, and, and having gone through a marriage and family therapy graduate program myself, trauma is an elective, at least it was in my program. And it shouldn't be. And going through yoga teacher training, granted that was in 2011, so I don't know if things have changed since then, but there was nothing talking about trauma. And yet one, what's the statistic? I think one in four or one in five women will have survived an attempted sexual assault. Um, And I mean, the statistics are staggering across different types of trauma, but you're likely in a yoga class to have at least one person, if not more, who are survivors. Um, So it it didn't make sense to me why there wasn't um, any of that in the curriculum. So I ended up, after finishing my training, uh, working at a treatment center like you had referred to for women and girls. And I I was the main yoga instructor there, and I taught trauma sense of yoga. And in addition to that, I hooked up with a friend who is a social worker and also trauma-sensitive yoga teacher. And we did workshops at the studio where I trained so that people could get that that aspect um, into their training. So going back to the Breathe Network, you can trust that they've vetted highly their um, applicants who are listed there. And so you can send folks that you know there or you yourself can search and hopefully find someone who's a good fit for you. 
who can help you process, you know, that those experiences. And um, so when I started Our Sacred Women, I knew, not necessarily at the beginning, but when I like, came up with the name and started really building it officially as a brand, I knew I wanted to give back because going going back to our, our discussion about making it so the brand is really holistic and living out its message, I felt like that energy that people are offering me and my brand through their purchases, I wanted to pass it on, keep it going. Hence, we donate 10% of proceeds from every product to um, the Breathe Network. So that energy can keep going and keep helping. And the Breathe Network is not just for women. Um, and yeah, I know that they serve a lot of women survivors. It's an incredible resource. Well, we have a little bit of time left, and I wanted to touch on the follow-up shirt that you released more recently, which is Family is Sacred in response to immigration events here in the U.S., and I wanted to, yeah, hear about that project as well. Yeah, that definitely was a highlight of this year. Um, I'm part of a, a mommy entrepreneur group down here in L.A. called Fashion Mamas. And we do have chapters all over, but the biggest one is here in L.A. And uh, I was attending a Father's Day event. And the founder, Natalie Alcala, she and I, and a number of other moms got to talking because that was the weekend that the news was really breaking about families at the border, migrant families being separated. And the image, oh, I will never forget it, the image of the little girl, she was two, I think, the one in the red long sleeve shirt um, in the pants. And she was looking up at her mom as her mom was being arrested and searched. Um, just broke, our hearts were breaking that weekend. And Natalie... She emailed me, I think the day after, and said, Eileen, we need to do something. Can we do a shirt, a shirt campaign, and really leverage on the Fashion Mama platform, which is, it's quite influential. We have members from the fashion, the entertainment industry, people who are really well connected. And it was just two weeks in the making, really, where I contacted my vendors. We were able to get deluxe screen printing, which is Latina-owned here in L.A. They're, they do all my shirts, and they came on as a collaborator. So the three of us, Fashion Mamas, Our Sacred Women, and deluxe screen printing, we we got these shirts designed and printed in like a week and a half. And then we held a photo shoot by the end of that second week with, um, I think, a well over 50 Fashion Mamas members who also brought their children and if anyone's interested, you can go to um, my Instagram or my website, and we have photos from that shoot. But we just we wanted to make a point that it's not okay to separate these families and to keep children in prison-like settings. It's still happening, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to use our privilege, our resources, to do something constructive, to channel our anger, our rage into something constructive um, and something visible. So we launched the shirt. We sold out, I think, within 72 hours. It was about that wow. much. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was amazing because the members, they were so, so wonderful. Everyone was posting on Instagram, sharing it with friends and loved ones. We sold out quickly. And then 
many people reached out saying they would still like one, <laughs> even though we've sold out. So we decided to do a second print run. And, um, oh, and I should mention, we, we donate, we, we, this is like the crux of it. We wanted to donate a hundred percent of profit from our shirts and split it two ways between ACLU and racist taxes. Um, and I, I mean, I saw a lot of campaigns during this time that were doing maybe 10%, but we, we felt really called to, you know, really walk the walk mm-hmm. and say, we're committed. This is something we're very passionate about and we're going to give it our all. Um, and I'm happy to say that just this past week, I sold off the rest of that second print run and I got a request for a, a really small print run for the shirts to go to a, an event in New York that's happening to honor some modern trailblazing women. And, um, yeah, we had a, one retailer, uh, they're the ones who ordered the special run, but they have, uh, a shop in Texas and Miami that they had bought these shirts for, but knowing that it was in a shop in Texas, like that meant so much to me, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, we got such an amazing response from, from from people like across the country we we even sent some international actually um wow but you know i I don't know how you were feeling at that time dorte but when the news broke i just every time i looked at my daughter every time i bathed her i fed her i held her at night i just couldn't imagine children her age or you know children at all not having that and being in a completely alien not welcoming environment, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could not look at the images without breaking down because anyone, you know, I'm sure everyone was feeling grief, but for those of us who are mothers and we see the ages of those children and we, I just, I see my son. I mean, I cannot help it. And I'm, I, I, I just can't. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it, it's amazing. It's wonderful that you felt that you could do something because for many of us, including me, I felt so powerless. I was like, what can I do? I mean, we marched here in Portland to the detention centers and, you know, it's like at a certain point, it's like, what can, what can one do? It's, it's sad that, you know, our national attention is now turned away, even though it's continuing. So any, anything that we can do that, that, that allows us to take that power back or, or lend our voices, or like you said, lend our privilege to this crisis, I think is, is incredibly important. Right. And I think that that speaks to kind of like the larger issue that I've been mulling about a lot lately is, especially being pregnant, I'm, I'm really limited physically and energetically as to what I can do these days. Um, and speaking to this larger issue of, yeah, helplessness and what can you do? And I want to affirm that do what you can, you know, do your best mm-hmm. and, and know that you all, you know, we all have talents and gifts and to realize what those are and then use those. And you don't have to do everything for every issue because there's so many mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can be so drained. I mean, that's how I felt working with trauma survivors at the treatment center and, um, at rape victim advocates, and I worked for a domestic violence organization, organization as a you know, um, what's it called, a hotline call volunteer. And mm. It's 
absolutely draining to work on that end with survivors and just to be in the trauma of it continually. And I find with Our Sacred Women such a blessing in that I'm still able to address those issues at the, that are at the root of all those traumatic experiences these women face, yet in a way that feeds me. Because I'm focusing on what I want to see more of. I'm focusing on on love, you know, and on positive energy and higher vibration. And so with Family is Sacred, that was the same ethos was, okay, what do I want to see? Mm-hmm. I want to see a reverence for families, no matter your race, no matter where you come from, you know, no matter what your the family composition looks like. Um, and again, going back to when how we started this conversation with the word sacred, mm-hmm. knowing that word is it has very religious roots. I feel very, um, what's the word, like revolutionary in using it in a way that we have with, especially family is sacred, mm-hmm. you know, given where people, I don't know, I'm thinking geographically and politically where people tend to fall uh, with how they feel about that issue and you know, where the geography is of that. Um, so to know that we are using that traditionally religious term, but in a way that's supporting families, no matter what, mm-hmm. that that feels very, um, yeah, I guess revolutionary is the only word I can come up with now. But it feels very much that essence of we're going to take this word and we're going to use it for good. Yes. I agree so much, kind of reclaiming that idea of that we value family and that extends to all peoples, not just <laughs> certain ones, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we don't have plans to do another print one, but I'm already getting inquiries, so I start keeping a list. And if we get enough interest, yeah, I'm happy to do another run. Um, yeah, because I think that if we can continue to do good work, through that, that campaign, then it can be done. And speaking of which, for our listeners who I'm sure are you know now <laughs> excited to support your work or maybe want to order a shirt, can you tell us about where we can find your work online and sort of what the plans are for the near future in terms of print runs and things like that? Sure. So I haven't, I made a formal announcement on my newsletter. So Y'all are not on it yet. You can sign up on my website, www.oursacredwomen.com. And I, my, I try my best to um, make big news there, like share big news there first before Instagram. But I'm most active on Instagram. The handle is at Our Sacred Women. And um, so I will announce it here. I, I mean to do it on Instagram later today that we are restocked with our Women Are Sacred shirts. And this will probably be the last one I do before I give birth. Um, and again, it's a small print run to um, protect the, the world because I didn't want to. I don't want to have a bunch of inventory that's not going anywhere and serving a purpose, you know, and using our Earth's resources for not. So, anyways, mm-hmm. so yeah, so um, visit our website if you'd like to get a shirt before they sell out. Um, and as far as what I'm excited about, oh. I'm excited for so much. Right now, I'm in a place of focusing on supporting those of us who have had pregnancy loss. 
I hosted an intimate dinner two weeks ago for a handful of friends here in the LA area. Um, it was a beautiful dinner at a beautiful home in Venice, and we had Mother Bees, which serves LA, Orange County, and San Diego. It's a food delivery service service that focuses on prenatal postpartum mamas. Uh, the founder Han. She was one of the authors of that book, The First 40 Days. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know of it. Amazing book, yes. Yeah. And I had the honor of having Han at the dinner. Um, and it was a night to affirm that pregnancy loss is a valid loss and that these mamas, myself included, we deserve to be acknowledged for surviving that. And we deserve the same kind of nourishment any mama would receive after a live birth. Mm. So I'm hosting another version of that, this time a lunch next week for um, just the fashion mamas in the area. But I'm hoping that that's something I will offer on the regular are these elevated, meaningful, trauma-sensitive events to honor pregnancy loss because it's just starting to really be talked about more in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a layer to the motherhood and parenting in general, because birth partners are just as affected by that kind of loss. Um, yeah, wanting to offer that. Beautiful. And I think this is such a lovely way to wrap up our conversation, because when I think about pregnancy loss, I think about all the secret or mysterious and internal shifts and changes and losses and griefs that women go through in order to bring life into our world, whether that's a live human baby or new ideas or compassion or beauty. And I see you doing that work and, and, and making it visible and really honoring it. And, and that is a, an incredible vision for the future. And thank you so much for feeding the future that we want for ourselves and for our daughters. Oh, thank you for allowing me this platform to share it more. Thank you for listening to the show. You can learn more about Eileen's work at OurSacredWomen.com. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode or previous episodes. Please join us on the Moonwise Sisterhood group on Facebook. All you have to do is search Moonwise Sisterhood on Facebook and answer a few questions to join the group. I look forward to connecting with you there. Music for this episode is Holding Space in Your Atmosphere by Ali Burress, who is one of the featured artists on Spirit House Records, a radically artist-friendly record label for witches, healers, and free spirits. Check them out at spirithouse.bandcamp.com. See you next time. Ships lost once controlling the sea.